Whoops! You stumbled into that leadership position. You had a big vision, big ideas, but it hasn't gone quite as you planned. You're in the right place. Welcome to the Accidental Leader Podcast with your accidental leader, Bo McDonald. Welcome into episode number four of the Accidental Leader. I am your host, Bo McDonald, and I, like you, am an accidental leader. And if you're listening to this podcast, my guess is you're probably in a leadership position of some kind, which means you're probably leading other people. And when they get things wrong, when things don't go so well, you as a leader, your job is to go to them and, and help them up. And it's easy to focus on what they're doing wrong. You can get frustrated with them. You can say, what can I do to change my team? They're just not working. I want to have an uncomfortable conversation on today's episode of The Accidental Leader. I want to turn the tables on that question, and I want you to look in the mirror. And before you say, what can I do to change my team? How do I make them better? I want you to ask the question, how can I lead myself better? What changes do I need to make in me so that I can lead my team better and make them more successful. And I want to open with a story before we get to our guest this morning. It was years ago that we had a talented team member at my marketing firm who was young, energetic, a great cheerleader for the company, a workhorse, a perfect employee, almost. This employee's ultimate downfall was that they couldn't lead themselves. They so badly wanted to earn a leadership position in the company. They wanted that title. And I know they could do it, but she just couldn't lead herself. She was a poor listener to her team, had a victim mentality. Whenever anyone would give her advice or say, hey, maybe maybe we could focus on this. She took it as though I'm a horrible person. Why don't you like me? And it all came down to root system issues. It wasn't that she was a bad person or couldn't be a leader. There were root system issues within her life that kept her from being able to lead herself, which ultimately kept her from being able to, to lead other people. And it's one of the worst issues as a leader that I encounter is having to terminate a talented employee when you know they can do the job, when you know they could be a great leader, but they just continue to make poor choices that lead them down the wrong path. And it's frustrating because as a leader, you want to say, just change. The problem is you can say everything that you want to, but they have to choose to do that. And when you can lead yourself, you can ultimately have a more impactful uh, leadership position over the folks that you do lead. And today, our guest, Brian Rollo, a leadership coach I've known for several years. We've collaborated on some projects together. And when I thought about the question, how can I lead myself better? I couldn't think of a better person to join me for this episode because it is what Brian does with so many leaders around the country. How do you lead yourself better? Three, two, one. For more resources and to listen to past Accidental Leader podcast episodes, visit theaccidentalleader.com. Courtesy of our sponsors, your marketing company and Uncommon. Brian, welcome into the Accidental Leader Podcast. Tell us just a little bit about yourself personally and and some of the work you do. Hello, Bo. Um, Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to be on the podcast. And 
I can't wait to dig into that topic, by the way. Uh, just a tiny bit about me. My name is Brian Rollo. I am the owner of Brian Rollo Consulting Group, which is a consulting, coaching, and training company. I'm also the author of a book called The Ten Habits of Influential Leaders. And I love working with people on issues like the one you just talked about. I truly believe, you know, as I look back on on past folks in in my company, I, I look at other companies that I've worked with, and even myself. When you when you lead yourself better, gosh, you can you can lead your team so much better. You've got so much more success with that. It and it's it's always overlooked because you want to first focus on what your team is doing wrong. How can I fix them? Either because you don't think you need to be fixed, or you know you do, and and you don't want to do that hard work. Yeah, absolutely. And I've seen stories like the one you just discussed play out many times in my management career. And it's one of the hardest things. You know, I've always, I've noticed there's two types of people that don't work out when we hire them. People who just don't possess the skills and can't acquire the skills to do the job. And that's, that's one thing. And that becomes fairly self-evident to both parties usually. Uh, but the other situation, like you said, is somebody that has the skills, has the potential, but just can't quite put it all together and learn how to operate in a productive way for themselves and the company. And that is one of the toughest calls that you have to make as a leader when that happens. You know, I really believe it all goes down to, to root system. I don't think anyone doesn't want to be better. It's a matter of how much crap is in the root system that, that's putting that head trash there. Before we dive into this anymore, though, I want to talk about influential leadership. It's really level one, what you start with, leading yourself. But I've, I've tossed that word around at least a dozen times. You could probably turn that into a drinking game at this point in the podcast. So before we go any further, I want to define what is leading yourself. What does that even mean, Brian? I think you gave a pretty good description of it earlier. Um, there's a quote I like by Tolstoy. He said, uh, what is it? Everyone thinks of changing the world, but no one thinks of changing themselves. Yes. Yes. That, that, uh, that brings it right home. And I think that's a big part of it. I think self-awareness is a big part. And that has to start with me. And I have no right to ask anybody else to do anything if I've not established that I can hold myself accountable. And that has to be step one. And I think even just having the self-awareness to think through that is a big part of it, even more so than just doing it. Having the self-awareness even to ask your question is, I think, half the battle. There's some really basic things you can do if you're starting right here at this basic level and you've never even thought about turning that question on yourself. How can I lead myself better? Some, some basic tools we use, we've used in our organization, the DISC profile. It's a very basic, easy way to start. And it, it talks about how you communicate, how others communicate. And, and when we've implemented that with our team, we implement that with our clients too. Every time we bring out a new client, we ask them to do the, the DISC profile so we can be aware of how they communicate and, even though it's communication, you might you may not think it, it's leadership. If you understand how you communicate and the downfalls of it, how other people perceive you, that can that can really take away a, a whole lot of the the drama that you're experiencing. Yeah, absolutely. I like DISC. I have a separate set of tools that I use, but sort of to the same purpose. And I think understanding personality, self awareness is a huge part of it. 
On top of that, I have a framework that I use when I'm working with somebody. Uh, I found the three biggest components of leadership are what I call the ACT framework, accountability, communication, and trust. So what you just talked about is communication is a big part of that. Um, and then when what it comes to the first word you used, was it accountability? Accountability. Yes. Yeah, sorry. Oh, about oh, how many people hate that word? <laughs> exactly. That's why I sneak it in, Bo. Um, but if we're going to talk about leading yourself, it has to start with that. Can I hold myself accountable? Uh, because if I do, if I can't, like you said earlier, I have no right to hold anybody else accountable. And once I do that, then I start to build up the trust part. I give people the ability to start to trust me, which starts to make the whole thing work. You know, tearing that apart for just a minute, when you talk about accountability, it's so basic. I, I'm a huge fan of the, the study of stoicism. And if you go back, uh, there, there's an old story about an old stoic who once a year on New Year's Day would, would go jump in the cold lake, not because it was fun, but because he said, if I can do that, then I can get up at five o'clock in the morning and, and exercise. It, it's just about doing it, just saying, I'm going to do it and then doing it. And that, that personal accountability, you know, it, it's so easy to just say, I'll do that tomorrow or I didn't have time. And the, the accountability piece, one, it's, it's easy to hold other people accountable. But gosh, when you have to hold yourself accountable, you can come up with a million excuses why you can't do something or why you didn't do something. Absolutely. I, I would recommend to anybody that they find something hard to do, even if it has nothing to do with work, if it seemingly has nothing to do with leadership, and make a plan to do it and carry it out. I ran a few years ago, I ran a marathon. Not really a runner, but I made a goal and I did it. And this is not to say I'm any sort of great runner. I'm not. But what I learned is there was a discipline to marking out. I think I had 99 training sessions scheduled to every day, <laughs> whether I wanted to get up or not, to say I did it and make my little check mark next to that training session. And I think that was the most valuable lesson, even more so than running the race, is just to take something that was difficult to do and say I did it and then apply that framework to other areas of my life. That old Nike slogan, just do it. That's all you need. <laughs> Absolutely. But easier said than done sometimes. It is. Even in simple things like I've made a goal. I, I, I wanted to get back to reading more. There, there were a few years that I would go through about a book a month and I'd kind of slacked on that. And, and my, my personal coach had said, well, what are, what are you filling that time with? And, and I had a gut punch. I'm like, well, crap, I'm spending a bunch of time on TikTok at night, just watching cat videos and, and mindless stuff that it's, me learning and, and growing by reading has been replaced with, with, with mindless nothing. Not, not to say you should never get on TikTok or anything like that, but, but it was keeping me from, from my own personal goal. And it, it's little things like that that just start to add up. Yeah, absolutely. So easy. And not to get too off base, but we, we live in a society that is, there's people that are trying to get us to do that. And uh, not to say it's anything wrong with that. We all need some little relaxation, a little downtime, but. Uh, junk food is easy to eat. Uh, junk time is easy to spend. It's easy to get trapped in these uh, little habits that seem small. And again, I'm not saying, you know, that you're saying we shouldn't have these things in our life from time to time, but it's easy to let them crowd out bigger things. And there's a whole army of people trying to make those things as addictive as possible. So that's exactly what we do. As, as Willy Wonka said, a little bit of nonsense now and then. <laughs> exactly. We all need it. There's a time and a place. So let me ask you a question. For for leaders listening, we're talking about leading yourself. It's probably a, a brand new concept or or something that they haven't really dug into. 
what are some easy signs to know if you're leading yourself well? You talked about about ACT, about your your platform for that. If I'm a leader listening, how do I know if I'm leading myself well or not? Great question. I, I'd answer it in a couple of ways. Here is one really simple test. Again, simple, but not easy. And I started thinking this way uh, quite recently. And even f- uh, for somebody who thinks about this all the day, this has been a little challenge. And it is how impeccable are you with your word? In other words, once words come out of your mouth and you say you are going to do something, how impeccable is that? How written in stone is that? Because I think that is a good litmus test for how well we hold ourselves accountable. And I found that it's, in my experience, and I think this is shared amongst others, but in my experience, just the way we all interact with each other, both personally and and in business, it's easy sometimes to say, yep, I'll do that. I'm having a conversation with Mary and I say, yeah, Mary, at the end of the day, you know, I'm going to send you these things. And then maybe I forget and I don't think it's that big of a deal. And Mary doesn't think it's that big of a deal. And we go about our lives. Um, and sometimes even I think we, we even factor this in. And Mary might not even be really thinking that I'm going to do it when I say it, because we all give each other this little space to sort of fudge things. But what if we just had a no fudge rule and every time we say something, If it comes out of our mouth, we move our body however we need to do it to make sure it gets done. So that's what I found really helpful, just to ask myself every day, how impeccable am I being about my word? Because if we can nail that, again, we're holding ourselves accountable and it's really going to build up that trust factor. That goes back to accountability as well, not only holding your team accountable, but if you say something, holding yourself accountable to following through with that. Yeah. And and like I said, it's one of the most simple things in the world. If something escapes my mouth and goes out into the world, can I back that up with moving my body or doing whatever I need to do to make those things happen? Uh, So that's one of the things that I think is helpful to think about. Uh, The second thing is, here's something physical that people can do, but I will caution you, it takes a little bit of bravery and a little bit of self-awareness. I talked about that ACT profile, accountability, communication, and trust. Here's one thing, one of the things I do with my clients early on. I have them write that down on a piece of paper. They make a column for A, accountability, a, a column for C, a column for T, communication and trust. And then they hand it to somebody and say, I'd like you to tell me how well you think I'm doing on a scale of one to 10. Give me a score of 10 for accountability, from one to 10 on accountability with 10 being the highest, a score of one to 10 on communication, a score of one to 10 on trust. I'm not going to hold this against you in any way. I just want you to tell me how you perceive me and you'll honor me by telling me the truth. So if you can do that with a few people you trust and have them give it back to you, that's going to go a long way again to give you an understanding as to how well people think you are holding yourself accountable and leading yourself. You know, it's, it's amazing. It's a little thing when you lead yourself well, how well your team will follow. I, I think of a client who they're, they're just covered in task saturation. Every time I, I visit them, it's like a, a dumpster fire. Something is always on fire there. And, and when you look at the, the leader of that organization, it's almost like, Picture Pigpen from from the the old uh, Charlie Brown videos where the the cloud of dust just follows Pigpen. It's like this cloud of chaos just follows the the CEO. And when you look at at the leadership team under this particular CEO, it's the same thing. They they almost emulate her because what 
what this CEO does, it must be okay. And that almost defines the entire culture of the organization. And it, whenever I talk about leading myself or, or working with leaders to say, you need to lead yourself better. When you're asking your team to do something, they're going to look at you and, and, and really do what you're doing. They're going to say, that's acceptable or, or not acceptable. Yeah, absolutely. Culture and leadership are two sides of the same coin. And when you work on one, you're working on the other. So when people observe leadership, we're going to follow it. That leader is giving um, out psychological permission to everyone to act exactly as they are acting, despite how everything else is written somewhere in some manual or the posters on the wall or the nice little flowery statements on our website. At the end of the day, everybody's going to look to the leader and get a message about how to behave. It's almost the do as I say, not as I do saying. Exactly. And it's so easy as leaders to get caught up in that swirl that you're talking about with your client. They do have a lot that's being asked of them. If you're a leader on this call, you do have a lot that's being asked of you. So I say these things are simple, but not easy. But when we can't get it together for ourselves, uh, there's no way we are going to be able to ask other people to do that with any sort of integrity or meaning. It's really hard to expect more of your team than, than you can expect from yourself. And the importance of leading yourself well, we, we kind of touched on it. I, I shared that story of, of a client that I know. The outcome for your team and your organization, what is the importance of leading yourself well with that? Well, it comes down to influence. You know, I believe influence is the best way of leading anybody, Bo. Uh, if you order somebody to do something, if you force somebody to do something, it might get the task done, but there is no longevity in that. And there is no excellent performance in that. There is people who do just what they have to do in order to get the boss off their back. You can run an organization that way, but it is not going to be fun and it is not going to be excellent. It's going to be compellingly mediocre. And so when we can influence people, we are giving them psychological permission to follow us. And we are getting psychological permission to lead. So I think, again, when we can lead ourselves, we're getting that psychological permission. We're getting people to trust us. We're earning that trust. And we are making sure that we create an environment where people can do excellent work. There's a couple of stats I like to use. Uh, there's a great article on this on the site research.com. They said organizations that have leadership development programs in place, any leadership development program have a 25% increase in organizational outcomes. And that's not even taking into consideration how good the leadership program is. And between you and me, I think there's some are, that are out there that aren't that good. <laughs> but if you can have any program in place, you have a 25% increase in results. Uh, organizations that include leadership training are 4.2 times more likely to outperform organizations without any sort of leadership development program when it comes to financial results. So those are just two two little pieces of raw data to put this into perspective. And again, both of those statistics start with leadership at the very top leading themselves. Brian, I want to ask you two questions. Both, both have to do with time. You talked about leadership development. I see a lot of organizations that say, we need to invest in this. They have a one-day seminar or one-day training session and six months later, I, I hear leadership say, but we did this thing six months ago. Why aren't they listening? It's not a one and, and done. 
you have to continue to invest in this, correct? Oh, absolutely. It is, I think, the most important skill that you could give to a leader. I've often been amazed at organizations that devote multiple times of resources into training people how to use the computer or training people on how to do physical tasks than they do training their managers to lead the people that are on their team. And I think there's no more important skill that a manager could have. I think if you had a manager who was a great coach, in many circumstances, they wouldn't need to do anything else. <laughs> if you get somebody who's great at coaching skills and can help people become the best version of themselves in whatever that workplace culture is, it's the most important thing that they could do. Uh, but it's not going to be done with a quick motivational speech that ends with everybody clapping. Most things are great. I do those things, but it's, it's not enough. It's a little dose of encouragement. But to go back to the marathon, you know, everybody's excited when the mar- at the start of the marathon, they, they fire the gun and everybody cheers and you take off with a burst of energy. But like mile one, mile two, mile three, at some point you realize you have to keep running. What have I got <laughs> myself into? What have I got myself into? I have to keep running. I'm not done yet. And so you can use that analogy again with leadership training. It's great to have a nice, exciting boom, give everybody a little bit of encouragement. But you're going to get in that race. There's going to be days when it's tough. There are going to be days when you are looking for some sort of help and not just sort of cheesy motivational encouragement, but real tools and frameworks that you can use as the smart person that you are in order to create better results for your team and yourself. So just because I'm hosting this podcast does not make me holier than thou or anyone listening, been there, done that. The reason I'm hosting this is because I failed many times and learned things. I want to share those things. And some of the best advice I ever got uh, when I found myself about six months after a, a leadership program saying, but we did this training. Why, why aren't people doing it? We taught them this. And, and our leadership coach at that point had said, why do you take a shower every day? Like, well, that's a silly question because, because I don't want to stink. You don't take a shower on a regular basis. You're going to stink. Said training is the same thing. It's not a one and done. You're, you're going to, your team is going to continue to, to get dirty and start to stink. You've got to continually invest in them. And and training is is like a shower. It's not a one and done. Like, ooh. (laughs) Absolutely. I love the shower analogy. And, and, you know, another part of that, Bo, and again, I, I, I'm a fan. I've read these books. I've gone to these seminars. I still do. Um, I'm like you. I, I can tell lots of stories about my mistakes I've made. There have been some hard, hard learned lessons, uh, before I came to this work and even while I do this work, to be honest. But even the most exciting speech we bring in John Maxwell. I don't know <laughs> any of these guys that could come in. If they could give a speech to your organization right now, people would leave super inspired. But without context, it is hard to make real application without context of what it's like to lead people in your organization and the culture that your organization has built, what it's like to lead the people on your team, uh, what it's like to lead coming from where you come from as a leader and all these ingrained beliefs, root systems, maybe to your word, that you're starting off with. Those are different from leader to leader and person to person. And also to your point, you're leading people with their own root systems. And uh, that's where I think training has to be continual and where also you can see the benefit of coaching in addition to training, not just this is how you should do it, but somebody by your side to help you do it. 
not just to help you do it, but going back to that word accountability, when, when you know you're going to talk to this person you're paying two weeks from now and you can't BS your way out of it, it's a little bit different. There's more urgency to, to actually take action. Absolutely. And that's what a good coach does. They create accountability and help you, help you get out of your own way. That's what my coach does for me. They create accountability, give me some tools and send me off to use them. And I know, like you said, I have to come back and have something to show for myself. And that's what a good coach is going to do. And when you're leading people, uh, being able to talk to someone who's been there and done that and seen almost every type of problem that can come up and has failed and succeeded in handling that problem, it's pretty invaluable. Leadership can be a lonely place sometimes, or at least feel lonely. You, you think no one else knows my problems. Every other leader's struggling with the same stuff or has struggled with it at some point. Absolutely. That's one of the reasons I like to do group coaching because you get people on there and everybody thought they were on their own island suffering in their own little, their own little bubble of misery. And then they find out, Hey, this person over here, Bo's going through the same thing. Mary's going through the same thing, different names, same problems. And it can be very eye opening for the people that are there. So, Brian, before I move on, I, I wrote two words down here, and I want to go back and, and talk about this because it's something that I didn't understand and, and I didn't know. Just a couple of minutes ago, you used the term earning trust. As a leader, I thought that if I just started doing things that I could flip a switch and my team would trust me, and that wasn't the case. How do you earn that trust? How long does it take as a leader to make that happen? Excellent question. So I think when a leader comes on, there's a base level of trust, but it's very, very small. Maybe even I could say base level of respect that should be there. Again, not always, but a base level of respect that should be there. But whether somebody new is coming onto your team and they're joining an existing team or the much harder scenario, when you get are brought in as a leader for the first time to lead people that are already there. Uh, so either one of those two scenarios can take place. And especially in that second one, you have to start building that trust person by person. I think one of the important things to realize that helped me is realizing that trust is a ladder. Right? It's not an elevator. <laughs> and it's not like some sort of transporter where all of a sudden you can push, push a button and you're at the top of the trust ladder. We have to get up there step by step. So... A leader earns trust by creating individual relationships, extending small levels of trust to start with, and then rewarding people who reciprocate, and then asking for small measures of trust back. You know, it has to be that two-way street. That leader has to be able to give out trust and get it back. And when you can start both of those in a small way, small steps, let me grab you coffee. Um, somebody comes and says, I need to take another extra 10 minutes for lunch. Whatever we're going to do, whatever ways you can start to extend those small levels of trust, if you're starting from zero, you'll eventually build yourself up the ladder and you will get to a level at some point, if you're fortunate, where there is almost just unequivocal trust, where you and the other person, again, if I were to do the ACT framework with somebody, when we get somebody that has a 10 score, that is that unequivocal trust where basically I don't need to know what you're doing, Bo. I just know you're going to do an amazing job. Come back and tell me when it's done. And that same trust is reciprocated back. But you can't start there. Gosh, and that out of everything we've talked about in the last 20, 25 minutes, 
this is probably the hardest one because it's not something you can say, trust me and, and flip that switch and make it happen. It takes so much work on, on your part as the leader to, to earn that from your team. And it's, it's the hardest thing you'll do as a leader, I think. Absolutely. And again, if you are coming into an existing team, so let me use this because you know sometimes that happens pretty frequently. You are dealing people, again, who have their own root systems to use your language, right? They probably have times they've been burned where they've trusted people. They have times, maybe even the last leader before you, depending on the circumstances you're coming into, uh, maybe they trusted them and that leader did not earn the trust or treated it shabbily. So you're coming into these people who have their own perceptions, their own prejudices, their own pain around leadership and trust. And that's why you have to work with them one by one, start small, earn it. And then of course, be careful not to lose it. It's very much like the first two episodes of of this podcast. I talk about the two Johns where I had my very first leader, John Davison, was amazing. Gosh, if, if I had taken what I learned from him and just did that from the onset, I probably wouldn't be doing this podcast because I wouldn't have failed so many times and learned so many times. And and then there was the the other John that I worked for several years later who who was a toxic tyrant. And I think of myself as an employee after that. When I would go into a, a new job somewhere or or have a new leader, I was taking that with me, saying, "Oh, leaders suck. They're this is this is what a leader is," and and you almost have to retrain people out of that and and show them that that there are different personalities. That I'm not your last leader. I'm totally different. Give me this chance. Yeah, and there, but there are whole movements right now. I don't know how in tune you are to this, but even more so since the pandemic, there are whole movements of people that are disgruntled with the workplace. And I think in a large measure, what they're really disgruntled with is poor leaders that they've had. And, you know, they come together with their horror stories of how they've been abused and how people have mistreated them, tried to cheat them out of their money, broken, um, you know, broken employment laws. Uh, these people get together and share horror story after horror, sto- horror story. And that's being applied to the work movement everywhere, which from these people's perspective is totally legitimate because that's what they've seen. They've had the bad John in your case. But the point is, it does not have to be that way. And I wish some of those people, I hope that some of those people have chances to work for people like your the first John you mentioned and see that work does not have to mean misery and suffering. So let me ask this question because this really rolls right into it. If you're not leading yourself well and you do nothing about it, we just kind of touched on what happens when you do that. What are the consequences to your team and your organization? If you're listening to this and you say, ah, bah humbug, I'm a perfect leader. It's my team that's got to change. If you could almost be the, the ghost of Christmas future and, and share what does your life look like two years from now if you do nothing with this information? Great point. Well, another one of my favorite quotes, Bo. Um, I don't know if you're a football fan. One of my favorite football coaches of all time is a fellow named Bill Parcells. And um, Bill Parcells had a very famous quote once. Somebody came in and asked him, I think the team was struggling that year. And they asked him, but don't you think you're better than this? Don't you think your team is better? And he said something very simply. He said, you are what your record says you are. So if my team's struggling, my team is bad. And that means I'm a, that means I've been a bad coach. So... When I'm working with leaders, sometimes there is a bit of a disconnect 
Either way, quite honestly, between the results their team is achieving and how they perceive themselves as a leader. So, again, that can work both ways. Sometimes I have to convince people they're actually doing a great job because they want to beat themselves up and yet their team is doing super well. I say, you know, your record, you are who your record says you are. <laughs> your team is doing great. You're doing a good job. Can we work on ways of making it better? Yes, but give yourself a pat on the back. And then other times I have conversations with people who, again, are going to say, it's all the team. It's these people I hired. Nobody wants to do what they're supposed to do. If I could just have better employees, if I could have more support from the front office, um, you know, if it was sunny every Tuesday, you know, things would be way better. But at the end of the day, your record, you are who your record says you are. And you are the results of your team. So if somebody wants to say, well, it's not me, it's everybody else. I'd say, look at your record. You know, look at the record of your team and have a real honest conversation with yourself. And again, even if it's great, can it be better? Uh, is there a way to make it better? Is there a way to make it more emotionally rewarding for you and your team? Is there a way to get everybody on the same page? And then the opposite of that, to go to your point, is you're going to be on the flip side of those statistics that we talked about earlier. And leadership is, again, I don't want to get so much of the cold, hard data if you want to, but leadership and culture are a competitive advantage or a competitive disadvantage for every company. Brian, and did you hear that? That was about a quarter of the audience clicking out of this podcast to go to something more fluffy that's going to tell them what they want to hear instead of what they need to hear. <laughs> well, I apologize if I got a little too, uh, a little too uh, uh, blunt there. That, that's, that's how I've seen it. But the rest of you that are still with us, you're getting good information because it all starts with you. And, and again, uh, I'm not saying this as someone holier than thou of, of the, the perfect leader here to show you how it's done. If I hadn't have spent so much time working on myself and doing exactly what you just said of looking at where's my organization failing and, and what do I need to do to be a better leader to fix this? Uh, I wouldn't be here sharing some of this information and, and excited to share it with you. Yeah, I love it. And again, I'm not saying it's easy. It can be really hard. And I'm not saying that there aren't leaders out there who don't have some of those issues that I talked about. Uh, but at the end of the day, we can only work on ourselves as leaders. You know, we do that first, make ourselves better, help us lead better. And that will, without a doubt, Whatever we are being is going to be reflected in the team that we lead. It's one of the most urgent topics, probably one of the hardest topics to tackle as a leader. Here we are in episode number four at the very forefront. But I thought this was so important uh, in my leadership journey. If I did nothing else except ask myself the question, how can I lead myself better? Nothing else really matters after that. Everything else is icing on the cake. It's the hardest thing you'll do, but it's the most important thing you'll do. As a leader, and out of the folks you've you've worked with, can you share what the most tragic story of a leadership fail that wasn't corrected? And and on the flip side, give us the good news too. So it's not just Debbie Downer. What is the most successful leadership turnaround that you've experienced in in your work? Let me go. I'll go to the successful one second, if I could. Is that all right? Bad Jim. news first. <laughs> Bad news first. Uh, well, certainly, I've worked with some folks who just struggled doing what we've talked about. And to your point, even with leaders, it's not just team members, even with leaders, there has to be some, not only self-awareness, but the willingness to implement. 
the willingness to implement in the turbulent sea of reality. In other words, to take take the things, kind of concepts that we're talking about, even the coaching, and go apply it into a situation of real people with their own motivations, their own dreams, goals, fears, all of that, to take this and apply it and have the courage to go out there and actually do these things in that environment. And there are some folks who don't want to do it. And there's some folks, quite honestly, I've stopped working with because it became quite apparent they don't don't want to do it. And uh, their teams have have suffered because of it. Um, I've had people that didn't want to implement, lose their positions, or even have larger damages to their companies. And uh, it's obviously really sad. And usually, I think every time before those, I'd end up, one of us had ended the relationship because we just could see that it wasn't working. And there has to be that willingness to go do uh, but I'll share one story if I could with you real quick, but let me turn the focus on myself because like you, I don't want to come off as this uh, up from the top, implementing everything. I have all this wisdom that uh, just magically appeared in my head. Like I've gone out and there and lived these things and made all the mistakes. I tell my clients I've made them so you don't have to, hopefully. And uh, when I was first appointed a leader, I was definitely what you call an accidental leader, Bo. And uh, I did not ever think I would be a manager. I sort of wanted it, but I didn't really know how to do it. And early on, I had somebody I worked with named Kimberly. And Kimberly was like the most fantastic person you could ever work with. She was sort of like my right-hand person. And if you ever had somebody you work with, it just complements everything you do well and don't do well perfectly. Uh, and you, together, you just like you have everything covered. That kind of person, the trust level was 10. The communication level was 10. Accountability was 10. We could just worked great together. And uh, one day she did something uh, performance-wise that she would admit she should not have done. And uh, that's not really the point of the story. But what happened is my boss came to me and said, listen, you have to sit down with Kimberly. You better let her know that she better not do this ever again, or, you know, she's going to be out of here. You've got to be tough. You've got to give her, you know, the hard message. And I was new as a leader, Bo, and I didn't really know how to do that with any skill. And so I took this person who I would count as a friend and definitely as a great work collaborator and brought her into a meeting and I did what I thought I was supposed to do. I was the tough guy, you know, all but slamming my fist down on the table. You better not do this. Don't do this again. And she got up from that meeting and I'll never forget, Bo, when she walked out, she had a look in her eyes that was like part hurt, part surprise and almost part betrayal at the way I had talked to her. Uh, within a week, she gave her two-week notice and left to go work for another company. And I lost the person that made me look good, <laughs> you know, on a selfish level. Uh, it was a loss for the company. It was a loss for me as a leader. And the more I reflected on it, the, re the more I realized about what I had done to this person's life. You know, she had to go home and tell her husband and kids she was changing her job. She was not going to be driving somewhere further. It was going to change their schedules. And I could almost like retrace the consequences of my poor leadership, like, you know, four relationships down the ladder. <laughs> the effects of me just not knowing how to handle that conversation was like a ripple effect of negativity through her life, um, my work experience, and the company's productivity. So I had to come to grips with that. And that's what really 
set me down the path of realizing there's a better way to do this, Brian. And you, if you want to, A, be halfway decent as a leader and B, be a good force in your team's lives, not a negative one, you have to learn how to do this better. You know, that that's going to be a topic for a, another podcast at another time when we can spend a whole 30 minutes on just the ripple effect. When, when you think about how your actions and, and how you communicate impact other people, and that impacts other people, and that impacts other people. If you give a damn about people and, and you just have an, an ounce of anything in your heart, you'll want to take a look at how you're leading and how you're communicating and, and say, how can I lead myself better if, if you just care about other people? Yeah, you nailed it. I mean, like with that situation with Kimberly, I could just start tracing the changes in people's lives. You know, now our kids are going to change when they get on the bus or they're going to change how they get to school. And is that going to affect their schoolwork? Like all this because I didn't know how to have a tough conversation. I realized the power in being a good leader and the damage you have the potential to do if you are unskilled. So you said you were going to share a, a leadership failure story. That almost sounds like a success story because you learned from it. You didn't just take that and say, ah, fine, move on. I'll find someone else. You're replaceable. You you took that to heart and said, holy crap, I've, I've got to get myself together. So you call that a, a leadership failure story. What's your success story? Well, I will get to that in a second. Can I tell you one more follow-up on this, Bo? Because this is sort oh, of- Oh, absolutely. Yes. So Kimberly and I, again, we had been, I would almost say work friends, you know, not like hang out after school, after school, after work together, but like as close- to work together really well. And we did not speak for years after that. She went her way and I went my way and that relationship was severed. And I can understand why she felt that way. Years later, we had the ability to reconnect and we sat down and, but it was funny, the first few times we talked, I just didn't have the courage to bring it up. Like it was the elephant in the room. And I finally, I said, I was on another show like yours. I said, you know, can I talk about something hard? First of all, I want to apologize for what I did. Secondly, is it okay if I tell this people story, this story this way? Is that all right with you? And I didn't know what she was going to say. She looked, then she paused and looked at me and said, of course, I tell that story all the time. She says, and I tell everybody what a jerk you were. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> so would you say it wasn't a failure? Maybe in some ways it wasn't, but you know, I think about how it worked out. I guess it worked out all right for her, but it's funny how we're, we're both telling that story and I'm the bad guy both times. And they're done that. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, positives. So I'm working with somebody. I just worked with somebody who was the kind of person that reminds you why we do this. She is a manager of a credit union, new manager, a credit union branch, the largest branch in our credit union's chain. And she was new to it. She was like the kind of person that was a good performer. Somebody saw potential in her. They put her in this brand new in charge of the largest branch. And we worked together. And the Boas, she was the kind of person who was the opposite of some of the negative things we talked about. Literally, we'd have a um, coaching conversation. She'd be emailing me the next day. Brian, I did A, B, and C, and it worked out great. This is what happened. Or Brian, I did A, B, and C. This happened. What do I do next? And would just go implement as soon as she learned anything and have the guts to go out there and actually do this. And her branch um, loves her. You know, I come back and I cannot believe that this new person who had never had any experience has earned the level of trust and results that she has. She has the number one branch and at this credit union. And I think they're thinking of her and she's thinking of other things down the road already because of her leadership skills. So, so I see somebody like that. It just reminds me 
of the power that we all have to make change pretty quickly when we set our minds to it. That proves that not every accidental leader has to be a screw up for 10 years like me and learn the hard way. We don't have to have those Kimberly stories uh, where we make mistakes that mess ourselves and other people up. It it doesn't have to be done that way. Absolutely. I want to wrap up with a quote from Ryan Holiday in his book, Ego is the Enemy, another book that was totally impactful to me. He said, your potential, the absolute best that you're capable of, that's the metric to measure yourself against, not anyone else. Your standards are winning is not enough. People can get lucky and win. People can be assholes and win. Anyone can win, but not everyone is the best possible version of themselves. And I would say no one is the best possible version of yourself. If you're continuing to work on yourself, if you will look at that question, ponder that question, think about it, spend time with it. How can I lead myself better? And I would take that outside of your organization as well. Think about your family and your personal life. How can I lead myself better? And if you want a truly humbling experience and some reading material to to help kickstart leading yourself well, Ego is the Enemy is a is a great book. It walks through some of the stories of leadership failures because leaders couldn't lead themselves and therefore simply couldn't lead their teams. At some point, even if you get lucky and win, it catches up with you until you can lead yourself. And Brian, I want to thank you for joining us on the Accidental Leader Podcast and and talking about this and talking through this most important leadership question, how can I lead myself better? Tell us, where can people find you and and help start their self-leadership journey to get in touch with you and, and see what you're all about? Certainly. And thank you for having me, Bo. My name, uh, you can find me at brianrollo.com. I do send a leadership newsletter every Monday, a free newsletter of leadership tips, some of what I'm seeing, and uh, just ways to start your Monday as a good leader. You can get that at brianrollo.com slash newsletter if you'd like to sign up. And that's a great way to, to get connected and start talking about leadership. And I'll give you a plug, Brian, you're not paying me to say this. I asked you to be a guest on here, but I've seen Brian's work. We've collaborated on some projects. If you're stuck where you are and and you're truly asking yourself, how can I lead myself better? Check out Brian's website and and sign up for that newsletter. Even reach out to him and see how he might be able to help you. You you get that one person that can hold you accountable and and share their leadership failures and and hold you up. And and that's really a, a good kickstart to leading yourself better. Brian, thanks so much for joining us. Your website again, one more time is brianrollo.com, B-R-I-A-N-R-O-L-L-O, two L's.com. <laughs> Excellent. Brian, for, for the, the three quarters of the people who didn't click out because they hate the word accountability and they don't want to talk about how what they need to do to change. Uh, for those of you left, I want to talk about episode number five. It's coming up after the new year, The Accidental Leader. In early January, we're going to be having a timely conversation with Jason Vitig. He's a speaker and author and founder of Frugal. We're going to be talking about the financial choices you make personally and professionally as a leader, how these choices impact other choices you have to make. And in the start of a new year, when resolutions, especially money resolutions, are top of mind, Jason's going to be walking us through how we can find freedom for making the right financial decisions and enjoying our precious resource of time. Thanks so much for tuning into the Accidental Leader Podcast. We'll see you in the new year. For more resources and to listen to past Accidental Leader Podcast episodes, visit theaccidentalleader.com, courtesy of our sponsors, your marketing company, and Uncommon.